0: Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. Uh, grandparents watching all those pictures up there. How cool was that? We're all we're talking about being more and more intentional. I'm going to get up closer to you guys. Your goldenrod is in bloom, and it's killing me, so I'm going to have to drink every now and then, okay? So be, be patient with me. The intentionality. Everybody's got to be more intentional about what it means to be a follower of Christ in this culture, but I want to focus some of that intentionality today on grandparents. Kathy and I are... Grandparents to five little kids. We love it. Wish we'd had them first. It's just a, <laughs> had no idea how great it was gonna be. And everybody told us on the campus what amazing grandparents we were. We believed it until four years ago when there was a shift that took place that I'll tell you about a little bit later. So there may there's a good chance that today I'm gonna to preach a sermon on the biblical role of grandparents. And it'll be the first one that's ever been preached on that topic in the hundred and plus year history of Northridge Christian Church. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but it's really important, especially as we see what's happening in the culture and the world those little, little ones are gonna be growing up in. And some of you are sitting here going, oh, stink, I could have slept in today. I'm not a grandparent. You know? Well, if you're not a grandparent and you're an adult and you're married, you're probably gonna be one somewhere along there, and I wish I'd heard this before I was a grandparent, and if you're younger, where's my students over here, if you're younger, yeah, you're probably gonna be a grandparent, but you will have forgotten this sermon by then, but I'm I'm gonna tell you a couple things I want you to ask your grandparents to do, especially if they're followers of Christ, so hang in there with me, okay? One of the best kings Israel ever had was King Hezekiah, 25 years old when his dad died. Scripture says lots of stuff, like he did everything that was right in the eyes of the Lord. Awesome, didn't get that from his daddy. King Hezekiah's dad, the king before him was one of the most wicked kings Israel ever had. He got it from his grandfather, the king before his dad. Grandfather was a godly guy, had a great influence on Hezekiah in his younger years. And then grandpa died. And that influence was gone. And Hezekiah quickly slipped away from the Lord and led Israel into idol worship and all kinds of other sin. And so Isaiah the prophet comes into the throne one, room one day and says, the Lord wants me to tell you that because of your wickedness and sin, Babylon is going to come and basically level Jerusalem. You know, all the gold from the temple is going to be hauled off to Babylon. And then he says this, your kids and your grandkids, King Hezekiah, are going to be taken as prisoners to Babylon. They're going to be tortured. The males are going to be made into eunuchs, and they will serve as slaves in the palace of the king of Babylon. That's what's going to happen to your kids and your grandkids. And Hezekiah's response recorded in Scripture was this. Oh, that's a very good message you have delivered from the Lord. Because he thought, well, at least there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. Don't care what happens to my kids and my grandkids as long as everything goes okay for me. Now, I don't know how somebody becomes such a hard-hearted dad and grandpa, but I'm pretty sure that most of us here today, especially parents and grandparents, don't have the heart of Hezekiah. We're deeply concerned about the culture in which our kids and grandkids are growing up. There's a verse in Psalm 11 says that when the foundations are just being destroyed, And doesn't that feel like what's going on in our culture? When the the foundations are just being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, there's a lot of answers to that question about what we righteous people can do because we see this decay. The, the, The world is under the sway of the enemy, the prince of darkness, who has great power in this world. Those of my generation are staggered at how quickly in our culture so many things have gone from being unthinkable to being unquestionable. And if you even bring up an issue about something, you're considered a narrow-minded, you know, whatever else, we're very concerned about the world our kids are growing up in. What can the righteous do when the foundations are being destroyed? Let me kind of focus in now on a group of people that don't get paid a lot of attention to in our churches, grandparents. And so we probably ought to look at our foundational scripture for this. Deuteronomy verse 4 uh, or chapter 4, verse 9. This is what rocked my world four years ago when Kath and I went to a basically the seminar we presented yesterday. And here's what the scripture says: be careful. You know, watch yourselves closely. You know, don't forget the things your eyes have seen. Don't let them fade or slip from your heart as long as you live. I mean, if I'm 71. If I have a moral failure at this point in my life, the ripple effects and who that impacts is much broader than if I had a moral failure at age 21. And And at age 71, you can just get lackadaisical let your spiritual disciplines drop. And you can slide away, slip away as King Hezekiah did. So, so you be careful. You watch yourselves. All right, parents, grandparents. And then here's the little word. And then everything you've been learning as you walk to the Lord, teach those to your children. Three letters, A-N-D. And to your children's children. To your grandchildren. Wow. Wow. That rocked my world. This, is, this isn't a one and done thing where you raise your kids, send them off to college, marriage, a career, the military, something else, and then you dust off your hands, move to Florida and play pickleball. Uh, you can move to Florida and play pickleball, that's okay. You, know, you can retire, that's okay. But the generational command is, as our children grow up and become adults and move away, we shift our generational focus now from our kids to our children's children, to our grandchildren. The cutest mission field in the world. I can do something no missionary can do. I can name everybody that lives up by mission field. Kalana, Caden, Raylan, Cole, and Zane. That's the mission for this era of my life, to serve as an ambassador for Christ into the lives of those kids. But how do you do that? And those of you that are younger here and you've got grandparents who are still alive and if they're believers in Christ you need to be seeking out this connection you were talking about you know all the different levels John was about the kind of intergenerational that's here that's awesome and we've been too separated sometimes even in our churches so let me just give you three insights all right the first insight is that your grandparents We grandparents have some wonderful, grand experiences. Psalm 71 says this, Since my youth, O Lord, you've been teaching me. To this very day, I still declare your marvelous deeds. And now that I'm old and gray, don't forsake me, O Lord, don't let me die, till I declare your power to the next generation and your might to all those who are to come. Yeah, if you've been walking with the Lord, as many of you have for several decades, you've had some incredible experiences. Your grandparents have more to look at in the rearview mirror than they do through the windshield. There's a lot more behind them than there is ahead of them, but they're looking back now and seeing, even the times they thought God wasn't within a thousand miles, they're looking back going, yeah, he was there all the time. Fingerprints all over it. We've learned a lot. We've got some wisdom. Some of it came from going through some terrible, terrible, painful stuff. And we're expected, all of us, to be good stewards of the experiences we have in our walk with the Lord. Wisdom we've gained. You know, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable about a rich guy who gives some money to each of his servants and then goes off on a long trip. And when he comes back from that long trip, he gathers his servants around and asks a frightening question. So what'd you do with what I gave you? Were you good stewards? Now, in that case, he's talking about money. If you go into your career and you earn $25,000 a year, which is poverty level, and you work for 40 years at $25,000 a year, you're gonna stand before God someday and he's gonna say, so what did you do with the $1 million I gave you? Because if you earn $25,000 a year for 40 years, you're gonna make a million bucks. What'd you do with a million dollars? Well, he's gonna ask us about more than how we handled our money. What'd you do? Philippians one says, I started a good work in you, and if you'll let me, I'll be faithful and bring it to completion. Sometimes, as I said, us at this age of life, in our churches, and our culture, we seem to be ignored. You know, in in your teens and in your 20s, you young people, you're so concerned about what everybody thinks about me. Those of you in your 40s realize I'm at the point where I just don't give a rip what anybody thinks about me. (laughs) And those of us in our 60s and 70s are discovering nobody's been thinking about us. It's really kind of sad. But boy, we gained some experiences and you don't want to, you younger people need to ask your grandparents, well, that's really number two because you've got all these these great experiences. Second of all, now you've got a bunch of great stories. I love hearing stories. Psalm 78, David says this, listen, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to tell you some stories. There are going to be stories about everything I have experienced in this long journey with the Lord, things I have learned from God and from my family. Stories are a great way of passing on a legacy from one generation to the next. You know, Mark says in his gospel that every time Jesus spoke, well, his words are, Jesus was never without a story when he spoke. That's what connected him. Little kids, old people, middle aged people, whatever age, everybody listened because Jesus was always telling these great stories that had nuggets of God's truth in them. You know, he, we know the song Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. Well, just before that battle, uh, Joshua was uh, receiving some instructions from the Lord, and he says, Now, tomorrow, uh, as they're getting ready to cross, we're, we're going to cross the Jordan River on dry land. 40 years. Earlier, the parents and grandparents of this generation crossed the Red Sea on dry land. and but th- This is a whole new generation. that has been born during those 40 years in the wilderness. So he says, tomorrow, I'm going to dry up the Jordan River. Let you guys cross in the promised land. But as you cross, get one person from each of the 12 tribes to pick up a big rock and take it over to the shore of the promised land and build a little monument there. And he says, then in the future, in the evenings, when you're taking walks down by the river and you're Grant, your children grandchildren say, hey, what's with the pile of rocks? He says, tell them the stories. The plagues, the parting of the Red Sea or the Jordan River, you know, manna every morning, quail every night, all, all those, tell them the stories. The stones help you remember the stories and the stories help you remember how good God is. And friends, just like uh, the people of Israel, our story's been caught up in God's story too, haven't they? 71 years, I've been a Christian for 61 years. My story is just so interwoven with God's story, you can't rip the two of them apart. And if Jesus always had a story when he spoke, maybe we, when we have our conversations at every age, but especially as grandparents, we gotta be weaving God's story into our story. Jesus' creative spirit lives in us through his Holy Spirit. He was a storyteller, he can enable us to be storytellers. You know, in the book of Exodus, when uh, Moses encounters God in the burning bush, uh, God's giving him a daunting task, just like he gives us grandparents, this daunting task to pass on a legacy of faith to get more intentional. We were wonderful Christian grandparents. We were going to all the kids, grandkids games and dance recitals and all that stuff. But we weren't doing a whole lot more than non-believing grandparents do. There were grandparents who didn't give a rip about God who were at the little, at the t-ball games cheering on their grandkids too. We were, we were challenged to make a step from being wonderful Christian grandparents to being wonderful intentional Christian grandparents. How do I pass on a legacy of faith? That's a daunting task, and so God's given this task to Moses, leading the people of Israel out, and he's making all these excuses, I, I, I don't speak so good, all that stuff, and finally God gets frustrated with him. He says, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses says, what? My rod? My, that's just a stick. Uh, it's a piece of wood, And nothing. God says, why don't you throw that down in front of me? Remember that? It turns into a snake. And over the next several chapters in Exodus, the rod of Moses is used in amazing ways. He sticks it in the Nile and turns it to blood, holds it out over Egypt, and hail mingled with fire descends. He holds it out over the, the Red Sea and it parts. He hits a rock in the desert, and water comes out enough to provide water for two or three million people. And in Exodus chapter 17, They're getting ready to fight a battle with the Amalekites and Moses is talking to his general, Joshua, and he says, now tomorrow during the battle, Joshua, I'll be standing on the hill over there and I'll be holding the rod of God in my head. Hey, did you catch that? It's not the rod of Moses anymore. The rod of Moses, plain old stick, has become the rod of God and later it is placed in the Ark of the Covenant along with the Ten Commandments. And if you're like me, you know you tend to look at your life and it's not all that great especially compared to the biggies you know Abraham Moses Noah King David Paul Elijah Billy Graham whoever god looks at, at you and me and he goes hey david what's that in your hand us uh, 71 years of life an existence uh, survival nothing It's a collection of some puny, boring, embarrassing stories. God says, why don't you take those stories and throw them down in front of me? And bam, just like the rod of Moses became the rod of God, the stories of David, my 71 years, can also become the stories of God and how he's interacted with my life. It's a glorious calling, friend, to pass along our faith by just passing along our stories and how God carried us, gave us some wonderful times, carried us through the hard times, even the parts of your story that you think are garbage, you got arrested, you went through addiction, you went through a divorce, you had an abortion, or whatever else, God God forgives. And then as you're getting ready to throw that story in the trash can, God goes, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, there's going to be a grandchild someday who needs to hear this story from you as they go through their time of failure. And they need to hear that, how I redeemed you out of your mess and how I can redeem them out of their mess and continue to bless and use them. Friends, there's no message without a mess. There's no testimony without a test. So you fainted on stage during the sixth grade Christmas program and fell into the manger? You got braces in junior high. You rode a stampeding elephant in Thailand. You got arrested in high school. Your parents got divorced when you were in the eighth grade. Your campsite washed away during a flash flood in the Grand Canyon. A handicapped kid stole your heart on a mission trip to Haiti. Your mom died in open-heart surgery when you were 10. And yada, 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 yada. Do you know how many thousands of stories there are in this room that need to be told? God can use those stories. There's people you work with, people in your neighborhood who need to hear these stories, but some of the people who need to hear the story may call you mama and papaw. You ever told your grandkids? Grandkids, you gotta ask next time you're with your grandparents. Ask them to tell you the story how they fell in love with Jesus. How they got converted to Christ. Grandkids need to hear that story, how God led them into his fold. When somebody dies, an entire library burns to the ground. My mom and dad are both dead now. I don't have anybody to call and say, hey, did I have chicken pox when I was a kid? The library's gone. Oh, if you love God, he's gonna give, bring memorable moments into your life, and some of those memorable moments will be delightful and oh, so wonderful, and some of those memorable moments will be horrific, all oh, so painful. But as you tell your stories, do they just point to you about how great my life has been? Or poor me, the troubles I've gone through? Or do the stories point through you to him? Don't let your personal library of stories burn to the ground without first sharing many of them with your family, your friends, people that you want, desperately see come into God's kingdom. So... We've had all these grand experiences your grandparents have, and they've got some great stories. You need to ask about some of those stories. Invite them to tell you those stories. And because of the stories and experiences, we have, number three, a grand responsibility. Continuing on in Psalm 78, we're not going to hide these stories from our children, and we'll certainly tell them to our grandchildren. And our stories are going to highlight the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, the wonderful things He has done. He, here's the word, he commanded our ancestors to tell these stories to their children so the next generation would know the good news, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children, and they would put their trust in the Lord and never forget him. That verse talks about five generations. You, generation one, tell it to your children and then to the grandchildren, and then you'll die, but they'll tell it to their children and to the ones not even born. That's a four or five generation vision that we're looking at there. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a suggestion, it's a command that this story be told to our children and then to their children and to their children and to their children. So let me give you a visual representation of this. I've got some runners. If you guys will take your positions very quickly, we've got to run through this. I'm going to run out of time. So you guys get to your places. This is my wife, Kathy, who's going to uh, help right here at the start with runner number one. We're going to do a relay race, all right? You know what a relay race is? we got to pass the baton on. you got to make sure you don't drop the baton, and you got to be really good at this. So we've got four runners here, and you guys are the crowd. These are your grandkids, and you're so proud of them on this relay race. So you cheer it on as they run the relay race and pass the baton on. So you ready? Get our bar- go. There we go. Cheer on. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come on. There you go. That's looking good. That's looking good. Here's the handoff. Be careful. Don't drop the baton. All right. Here we go. All the way across the back. There we go. Good handoff there. Good job. All right. We're coming over here. All right. Koda. Oh, last one. Bring him home. Last one. Woo. All right. Come on, buddy. You got it. Awesome. Woo. Oh, you guys did great. You guys did great. But... There's a, there's a shift we want to make here. If you guys will go back to your original locations. You know, in a relay race, it's not just enough for runner number one to say, well, I ran my leg of the race. You know, runner number one is thinking of runner number four. The goal of this thing is I'll run my re- leg successfully so that runner number four will also run their leg successfully. Gotta pass on that baton of faith. But there was something wrong in that relay race because this is what happens to us. You run your leg and then you quit. Move to Florida and play pickleball. So let's get, let's get rid of the relay race idea. That's what's wrong. Let's go with the Olympic torch. You ever seen when they pass on the Olympic torch every four years, heading to the Olympics, that big clump of people passing the torch, holding it on, a light for everybody to see? So now we're gonna go with a relay race and watch what happens differently with, with a, an Olympic a passing of the Olympic torch, so you're ready, take off, there's really no go. you just run the Olympic torch, there you go, all right, running the Olympic torch, awesome, doing great, keep running, keep moving all the way across, now, let's see, did you see what happens there, yeah, all right, yeah, look at that, I like that good handoff there, oh, the camera's following you, great job, here you come, all of you coming in together, woo hoo all of you. Together! Oh, man. Oh, you guys, give them a good hand as they go back. You guys were awesome. Yeah. Whew. You want to you, you run with them as long as you can. Continue to be an influence, maybe even to your great-grandkids. Met a grandmother, a lady who turned, uh, became a grandmother at age 33 last week. She's going to get to pass this on to her great-great-grandchildren that you're all run together, you finish the race, that you'll walk along the river in heaven with your grandkids and great-grandkids skipping stones along the river in heaven. It's our responsibility to make the gospel clear to our grandchildren. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to make the gospel dear to the grandchildren. He's in charge of the of the transformation. But it's our job, parents and others, to make the gospel clear. And that's a daunting task. But I know that none of us are in here as parents or grandparents who have that mindset of King Hezekiah. Well, I don't care what happens to them as long as it's okay with me. On the table right outside here are some resources. There's a movement sweeping across America among Christian grandparents and great-grandparents. It's sweeping into, into eight other countries, South Africa, South Korea. It's just amazing and one of the great things about this five-year-old movement of God's Spirit is the resources that are being developed to help you figure out how to pass on the faith, how to start these kind of conversations. How do you do this if you live here in Milledgeville and your grandkids live in Colorado? How do you do this long distance? Amazing resources. There's all kinds of stuff. Maybe we'll have time to be out there by the table after it's over. All you're doing is every time you're with your loved ones, but especially, we're talking about grandkids, hovering in the back of your mind is how can I inject a little bit of God's truth here. Took Cole to the Alcatraz Museum in Pigeon Forge a couple of years ago, a museum of crime and punishment. And I wanted him to see what his life would be like if he didn't listen to me and the the rules. And uh, there's a room in there. it's It's a laser room. It's like a museum. There's a buzzer on the wall over there shaped like a diamond. You're a jewel thief, and you've got to steal the jewels. They turn off the lights, red laser beams go all the way across the room, and you've got to go over and under the laser beams without breaking them and hit the buzzer. Well, I kept breaking the laser beam. When you do this, ah, lights come on, papa! And we gotta go back and start. So I finally, about the fourth try, I just stood against the wall and let him do his little ninja moves over, and finally he slapped the buzzer, and he was a jewel thief. And then you're at Chick-fil-A, and you're saying something like, you know, you know Cole, all of us have broken the, the rules, the law. We had just memorized the Ten Commandments that summer with him. All of us have broken the rules, I've broken some of the Ten Commandments, you have too. And we just saw a whole museum. There's punishment for when you break the rules. But uh, that's why I love love Jesus so much, Cole. He took the punishment for me. I was the one who broke the rules. I should have gotten punished, but that's what the cross is all about. He took the punishment for me. And Cole, I just want you to know, that's why I love him so much. 45 seconds at a Chick-fil-A, injecting how my story has interacted with God's story. Kath and I get frustrated sometimes. They wiggle during the Bible stories and, and you know, laugh and giggle during the prayer times. And I don't know if they read the little letters I sent them or whatever else. That's irrelevant. Galatians says, just don't get tired of doing these good things. Because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you just don't give up. Yeah. Proverbs 13 says, a good man or woman leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Please, grandparents are the ones I've been targeting today, but at every level, that intentionality of this responsibility to be effective ambassadors for Christ in this dark world to the ones we love so much. You don't try to speak Spanish. I was at the Dominican Republic last month. Kath and I were doing our seminar. and If I try to speak Spanish, it comes out, hey, quesadilla, Taco Bell, uh, chihuahua. You don't try, you train to speak Spanish, right? You don't try to be an intentional Christian or an intentional Christian grandparent, you train. We go to Bible studies, we go to seminars, we read books, we have accountabilities and start ministries so that we can lift our loved ones and especially our grandchildren above the distractions and seductions of this fallen dark world so they can see Jesus clearly and they better yet discover that Jesus sees them and has been looking for them because the thought of eternity without my kids and my grandkids is way too horrible to imagine. May our legacy not be Hezekiah's, but the legacy of Joshua. The people not only stayed faithful to God while Joshua was alive, Scripture says, but even after he died, they stayed faithful and remembered all that they had learned about God. So Father, on behalf of all of us gathered here, we ask that you would make us more intentional, motivated, trained to reach the people we love for your your sake and your kingdom. Friends, we have uh, prayer altars on the sides of the stage and prayer counselors that would pray with you at each of the sides of the stage here. If you want us to pray about this intentionality thing, about some ones that you love that you want to reach, uh, pray during that. or Come up and somebody will pray with you. They're going to be uh, playing a song for you. It's a blessing that many grandparents give their grandchildren. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at